Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely. In a world given back to us, this is Wade here in the podcast studio. Um, we are on a recording streak, um, and we are trying to get content out regularly. And it seems like you guys are are listening when we do so, and we're picking up some listeners. So uh, that is encouraging, and we thank you. Um, today you're here for a momentous day. This will be Jason's second attempt at doing an intro. Um, we're going to see if he does any better at this time. And uh, I'm just moving a little bit away, Jason, because I'm picking up some. I see you're picking up some stuff in your mic from me. So oh. we're all good. Um, but go ahead, Jason, and why don't you introduce this episode? All right. Thanks for the heads up. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I will do my absolute best. Okay. So it just started. I just hit record. Yeah. Good. I just take it. Yep. We're. We're going. Here we go. Today, which happens to be Ash Wednesday, is... What do you say first, Jason? Hello. Hello. See, this is this is an artificial thing for me. I struggle with this where, it, uh, where it's like now I just hit record because like all the things that we just did, you want me to redo. Okay, so. let's stop for a moment. I'm going to count to five in my head. Then I'm at a point like we just started and nothing happened. Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. Today, we are going to talk about confession. We're going to talk about repentance, which is, I think, a very fitting topic today because today also happens to be Ash Wednesday. So get your ash in church. If Well, you won't have, won't have this won't be out. Get your ash in church next year. Right. There yeah, you okay. go. All right. Um, and, uh, yeah. It might be out. You said yesterday, Mike, oh, this won't be out. Yeah, it won't and, be out. Um, and then I produced it and got it out. Yeah. If you can do it in the next hour and people listening, and maybe they can make a 7 o'clock service somewhere. And hopefully find some ash. There you go. That's yep. right. So... So that's what uh, we're going to talk about today, confession, repentance, and uh, some thoughts about that during this season of Lent for you to consider. All right, and we are part of the 1517 Podcast Network. We would encourage you to go ahead and check that out at Michael? 1517.net. At 1517.net. Dot org, or org. Um, where you can get podcasts, you can get blog posts, books, free academy lectures, all sorts of good stuff. And I would remind you, if you've not done yet, we would really appreciate it, very much appreciate it, um, if you would go to Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcatcher might be, give us a, a rate, a review. How many stars would it be like, Jason? Many as you can give us. I would say mostly five. Yeah, Mike. Mike said four last time, and I was not thrilled with this. Uh, we want five stars. I'd give us a three. But whatever. <laughs> well, so far today, we're clearly a three. Um, but uh, we would appreciate five stars if you want to be so kind. I think th- I think that uh, the introduction deserves much of the credit for our you know three star or less <laughs> rating. Right. So, um, but once again, the uh, you can um, write a short review there if you would like. Um, something that might get someone looking, uh, they see, they search a topic, um, because you've given us so many ratings, an episode we did shows up, they're like, should we check out this Let the Bird Fly, they read your review, 
They listen. We just expanded the conversation. You did us a solid. We're pumped. We're going to keep turning out content. It just works great. So um, if you're able to rate, review there, we appreciate it. You can like and share on Facebook. We do appreciate all that you do. And with that, we will get ready to talk some repentance. There will be no free-for-all today. It is Ash Wednesday. Um, We have church. We're going to have to head out. We just got done teaching for the day. Um, So we're going to record this and then be on our way. Um, And so with that, uh, we will make our way to discuss repentance. And that brings us to our main topic where we will be discussing repentance. And I, I just, I realized a couple things during that break. Uh, Mike, it's fair to say that we have made Jason the head of the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. I think we've delegated that mm-hmm. to him. And all responsibility. And, and yeah. Um, and uh, and so I think the intro is right. He needs to be able to get these down. And, and not only did you not plug the rate, review, subscribe, or say 1517, what did we forget to do, Jason? forgot to read the disclaimer i you know didn't want to just jump in and you know step on your toes there but yeah. uh but i can i could read it now if you'd like should i read it now the uh go ahead jason i'll read it now this show doesn't speak for our churches our church bodies or our employers to be honest much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us We'll be thinking out loud a lot, so approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you're just listening to a podcast. Yes, that's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. All right, and with that, we will make our way then into repentance. We were... We were um volleying back and forth um, a uh, a number of different episode ideas. And then I thought, you know what? This might be a good day to do one on repentance. You get to the Lenten season. You hear a lot about repentance. Pastors might say, right, the color is purple. Purple is the color of repentance. We're going to uh, see God murdered, and we're going to feel bad about that, I hope. Um, And uh, and so this idea, repentance will come up again and again. What is repentance? And I think this is an area where Lutheranism uh, is very helpful. It has something to bring to the table um, when it comes to defining and understanding repentance. Uh, because what happens in a lot of different traditions is repentance, like faith, what do people like to do with faith? We're saved by grace through faith, right? It's supposed to mean we can't do anything, but what do people do with faith? They turn it back in on themselves and yeah, make they it about them. Yeah, they turn it work. It becomes a decision or this thing that <clears throat> I'm just going to conjure up in myself by just thinking real hard or, <clears throat> or something of that sort. Uh, and I think we can do that with repentance too. And so... Um, as we go into Lent, and you might be tempted to think, well, it's a season of repentance, so it's a it's a sad season, 
right? Um, and maybe some traditions in the church can feed that idea if we're not careful. You know, there's minor key hymns, and uh, but that doesn't mean they're all sad, right? There's a there's a joy in the midst of this too. It's just somewhat muted. Um, we don't say Alleluia, but it's not like we no longer praise the Lord, right? And so um, I would toss out to both of you, whether it be defining it, whether it be how it plays out, whether it be your experience in pastoral or teaching ministry regarding it, what comes to mind when, when you hear that word or when you're going to address that topic of repentance? I think uh, it took me a, a longer, a long time for this to click too long, um, but I always got stuck on the idea of repentance was something that I did, and that's true as far as it goes, uh, but I also do the believing, but I have no problem understanding that faith is something that is a gift, and, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately too, just not... Not only the, the saving faith is a gift, it has to be, otherwise we're not saved by grace alone, and we are totally depraved enemies of God, so God has to, to he has to take a dead heart and make it alive. Um, but just in general, faith is, is something that, um, it's not really chosen, right? I don't know that you, you would rightly say, I choose to trust something. Right. So even faith in itself kind of is sort of something that's beyond our capacity of will, at least in, at least in a little bit. Right. What finally clicked for me is that repentance is a part of faith. That um, that God, God is the one that does it through me. And, and it really is Christ alone, if it's really going to be Christ alone. And so now we all have that catechism sometimes etymology, right, can be very helpful. I like thinking about those things that gives us a, a different sense of words and concepts and we think clearer and, and more widely. Um, but when we're in catechism, we're like, repent means to turn, turn from sin and turn to God. Okay. Um, we can keep that, but remember that when you say that to a catechism kid, they're like, well, I have to turn. And then eventually like, but I don't want to turn. I haven't turned. So I'm outside of grace. Have I, I turned enough? Have or, I turned yeah. enough? Did I turn well enough? Yes. How many Was degrees I, yeah. did I return? Yep. So I got into the habit then of saying, God repents you. God turns you. Right. And this fits well with our theology of a hidden God. Um, of the alien work of God and law and suffering. Um, he's working on you. He's, 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 he's got you where he wants you. He's working, he's working on you um, to get you to first uh, despair in all of the false faiths that you have, usually in yourself. And then he turns you by the gospel to, to him, right? So, uh, you know, his alien, then his proper work that, if we want to divide it up that way. Um, and I, I think that's, that, that was a, a click for me, um, that, that helped me in my preaching, but also in my, you know, just day-to-day -day pastoral activities. I would, I would echo that thought. Cause I, I remember too, just, you know, when you're, 
uh, young preacher and now you get to Lent and there's all this talk of repentance and you want to focus on repentance and, and much of the um, material that you're working with focuses on repentance. And I remember preaching some of those um, Lenten sermons early on in my ministry and coming away from that thinking, you know, I don't, I, I'm not real happy with mm-hmm. how that, I, I mean, I think I, I think I preached this repentance thing, but it also seemed to like, it wasn't really maybe that the gospel came through quite yeah. as well as, and, and that there were qualifiers to it or there were conditions to it. And, and I know, I, I know as a young preacher, I'm not supposed to do that. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. that's not, that's not gospel. If you start putting conditions on things, um, and I think it was, you know, kind of the way you described, Mike, it, where one of one of those years, it's like I, I just gotta, I gotta do some homework and make sure that this is clear in my mind yeah, that I know yeah. what I'm saying and not just um, getting my way through this and talking kind of repenty language yeah. and probably for all of us there was lots of sermons that we didn't say anything wrong. Yeah, but. But, but, yep, exactly. So you could be like, yep, I totally nailed the, the doctrine of repentance, but I was not really a good preacher. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I, you can say that this is where this is kind of a broader, broader topic, but you know, someone wants this hymn sung and you're like, um, that's a terrible hymn. And you're like, well, what's wrong with it? Well, nothing's wrong with it. Theoretically, what hymn would you strike from? Yeah, (laughs) nothing, nothing. I cannot point out that one thing is inaccurate, but um, there's a spectrum that, you know, the one spectrum is let's read the Bible. We will read from numbers, all of the numbers of animals that were along the, for the ride out of Egypt into whatever. Did I say anything incorrect or false? No, but I didn't, I I did not fulfill my calling as a carer of souls. And, you know, you get towards the other spectrum, which is to preach the gospel and, um, not about the gospel, but preach the gospel as we have said. And there's quite a few of my sermons that are in the middle of that uh, spectrum where, yep, I said everything correctly, but, uh, I don't think that I moved the needle in the right direction one iota. And, and, uh, something I think you both are getting at or I don't I I'm gonna take it where my mind is going with it, but uh I think early on is preaching, but still the temptation is, is there after all these years for me as well, is uh that um we almost can take like a psychological approach to preaching then as if the law is um something we have more control over than we think we we do. But also in a way that like there's a certain emotive response we're looking to like this is lent and you should feel really really guilty and bad about what happened to jesus right um and so we um we take contrition and we make it almost like something we're going to work in the person um i will say this is i've taken a similar approach when i've done my worst parenting um you ever have where you're like, you're like, I just got to get through to this kid. 
and you end up like restating 15 different ways and just trying to drive home like do you get what you did and why it's serious and um in that way like that kid might even well get it but they're not looking like you think they should look or or maybe there's not the tears and i've learned i mean that's one of the blessings of five kids is each kid reacts differently um i would say um in those times i've i've maybe rather than letting the law do its work um i've uh i've i've tried to um to make it a a tool this is a sometimes we talk about right tools in your ministry tool belt and i've tried to make it a a tool too much like that rather than this this thing that god takes it where it will go and he will work it as he sees fit and maybe not you know there's this story told of saint augustine of the circus you know the games had come to hippo and his people were going and he's so worked up about this and so he gives this famous sermon um and sometimes it comes up in homiletic stuff about like he, he's making eye contact the whole time so eye contact's good and he goes until they cry right and he can see oh now they're they're sorry <coughs> and that's not to say Augustine wasn't necessarily a good preacher. Maybe he he was. But that's a pretty messed up thing to do when you step back and think about it. Like, my goal is to get you all in tears. Um, Well, now I've taken um, just, I'm not your psychologist. I'm not your counselor. I'm not like giving a contrition test. There's no way for me to measure. And I may be, um, you, you might not now be, ready to hear the gospel at all because I've I've been just abusive with what I've been doing to where you've tuned me out which I think probably to go back to parenting right there's times where they've tuned us out you know and I no I'm not saying I've been abusive to my kids but like I've missed the mark I I was too much on this or that and like I missed the opportunity to, to catch them when they were actually ripe to listen um and I think that when we when we overdo it, um, it it and it even you know as Jason said it almost can sound qualified even if we're not saying if or but, um, but that is a way that um, that repentance can uh, be really. I've noticed the older I get, um, one of the things that I guess distinguishes preachers in my mind, um, and sometimes they're both good preachers for the most part, um, is there are some that are really nervous that someone might be absolved and not be sorry enough for their sins. And I noticed, uh, Mike, you actually hit on this well in chapel today because this is, I've, I've heard some Lutherans more recently even really be uncomfortable with corporate absolution because mm-hmm. someone might hear an absolution that, that shouldn't be meant for them because they might not be sorry enough for their sins yet. Um, as if like the sower of the seed in the parable, you know, got down and like tested the pH level every five feet. Um, and you did a good job by saying like, don't get me wrong. If if you have a sin and you wonder, well, that can't be for me though. Individually, I'll hang around, come to me. Um, but there's the preacher then who's afraid someone might not be sorry enough before they get the gospel. And then there's the preacher who's, 
maybe kind of stopped caring in a healthy way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But No, I think uh, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, that is a bit of a debate, right? Can, can we just, are we throwing pearls before swine there when we don't know if they actually are, are, are forgiven? Well, we could say that a lot about a lot of things, right? Uh, how do I know? I can't see in your heart about faith. We go by their confession and I get that everybody's saying it. And then I get that. And, and individual confession absolution is, is probably better. Right. Um, but there's something to be said about we all are on the same boat together too. Right. And I, but, but the problem that you, you, you pinpointed, I think is why should the first reaction be, Oh, someone got forgiveness when they didn't quite deserve it. Instead of saying, Hey, just so you know, if you don't feel like this absolution was for you because, uh, and the line is, Oh, there's somebody in the back who says, if pastor knew what I did last night, he would not have said that. Well, I want you to come here. Notice the difference. The difference is, uh, instead of worrying if the, the confession was pure enough, instead you're worried about if, if the gospel didn't hit right? I mean, that's what it means to be truly pastoral, right? And this is a broader thing too. And, and it, it's something that I think about as a, as a, as an educator now is the, in the history of the church, there's always been somebody that, that has said, if there's too much gospel, look out those drunk Germans, right? All this. And, and I think that we talked about in high school, the high school class today too, about, um, you know, there can be some pretty jaded teachers out there, um, you know, who are pretty strict. Like if you don't get this on time or if you don't write your name on your paper or if you're whatever, there's just this kind of law or whatever. To be fair, seriously, write your name on your oh paper. Oh my gosh, yeah. And the theory then is, you know, if if, if you don't beat this into them, then they're never going to learn. Um, as if being gracious just wasn't going to be enough, Right. Now I get it. I mean, I mean, I get it. And, and I think a lot of hardened educators who have been around for, and, and have been, let's say abused, right. Their kindness has been abused, um, that, uh, they just don't have time for it, but then it becomes kind of a personal thing, like a, a personal, I'm going to take offense that this, this student is not respecting me. And this can apply to any business. And right? to be fair, we just recorded a session together yesterday, Michael, and uh, I believe uh, the unions worked it out that Jason doesn't have to be here on Tuesday, so he wasn't there, but um, even Luther at the end of his life, sometimes it seems falls into this with Mm -hmm. some of his works Mm -hmm. of like, and I mean, he'll, he'll even say at times, I'm leaving Wittenberg. I'm done. So it, I've done it. It's, it's an, it's an easy thing for preachers and teachers right. to follow. And into. it becomes, it becomes, you take things personally, right? And, and then you, you then justify your use of the law. Like if I don't do this, then they're just going to run wild. Over. Now that may be true, but at the same time, it, it, uh, again, I, I really like what you said. Like we think we can control the law. Like we're not, like giving all this law, we think we're controlling it to this one thing that this is going to make this student, this person, this parishioner better. I got to be tough right here. As if we had the control of it to say, it's not also going to be a damning first use of the law to this person. And I think this, you got to err on the side of the gospel with all this stuff. And so what if, if somebody love will always be taken advantage of, I mean, just get over it. And I get, there's a fine line, especially when you're in the realm of law. Like you're a, you're an educator, you're any of any business, right? 
I mean, you have clients, you have rules, there's, you, you have to have that. But um, to, to, to justify your lack of love, which probably is a personal thing, um, by, by then justifying it by saying, oh, things will, get, things will just get out of control, right? Is to, to insult the gospel. Yeah, I think uh, kind of going back a little bit, I, I absolutely appreciate that thought. And I think that idea of, you know, always leading, erring on the side of the gospel is is where you really need to be and what you need to think about. I think that with going back to some of the con- contrition things and law things there, there's, I think, not only this this desire to control that, but the but the assumption that everybody is the same, right, and that uh, that they're all going to respond the same, and that you should be able to demand equal responses. That that all the that that contrition always manifests itself that way, um, and that there are that that there are certain ways where that has to manifest itself, um, where you know, that's not certainly always the case. And from individual to individual, that can look so very different. And, you know, recognizing that these things are fruits of faith, fruits of repentance, you know, and sometimes it's real tempting to get in there and say, I want to, I want to demand a very specific type of fruit. And instead of just being content with whatever shape that fruit happens to take as far in its appropriate response, right? You know, that, uh, and I would say, you know, not only with the contrition side of it, but also in, you know, the repentance going or going forward and, and saying, well, how, what is appropriate in making amends with some of these things, you know, and that's always a, sounds like Jason's saying there's a third part of repentance. (laughs) No. Just say make sense back. No. No, I'm not e- gonna E-L-C-A, say that at all. But the idea that I think he's crypto paped. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, been kinda It's got ashes on his forehead. Right, exactly. It's yeah, it's God, Ash Wednesday. There's uh, just lots of you know, lots of those <laughs> type of things yeah, going around, yeah. you know, you get drawn in, but but no, I think um sometimes just that idea of wanting to demand specific fruits of faith um, along those regards or along those um, different paths. And I think that gets us into trouble sometimes when, when we think of that and, and ends up, you know, I mean, a preacher who's very well-meaning, you know, a pastor who's very well-meaning, but, but ends up doing more harm in that particular situation because things didn't, things didn't manifest itself in Mm -hmm. exactly the way that they were, expecting it to. and I, I think it gets to be <clears throat> funny that sometimes lent feeds this <clears throat> because if there's ever a season of the church here where you should be looking outside of yourself it's the lenten season where mm-hmm. the great passion accounts are mm-hmm. read and preached on and i think if we if we give the sense that lent is about cultivate it's largely about cultivating a certain feeling within yourself you're pointing people back within themselves. Well, what should they be turning in themselves to find? Not emotion. It's they're examining themselves and then they're confessing their sins. But we're not we're not telling them to 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 do that for too long. 
because that's a recipe for despair, right? Contrition is a, a part of repentance. Um, but as Lutherans, we don't believe we can even come to contrition entirely by ourselves. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church thinks you can stir yourself up to that. But even that contrition is the work of God. And, and so when you, when you okay, you're going to turn in, but you're turning in with, with God's commands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I see my sin, God's wrath, <clears throat> whoa, don't like that. It's, it, it's part of the outward turn, which is the second part of repentance, which is faith, which is entirely the gift of God. And so, um, you know, maybe that's, I, um, I had a, a, a student, very well-meaning, um, asked me the other day, maybe I said this on the podcast already, but um, she's coming out of, or coming out of her in Catholicism, but Lutheran interested, and asked about uh, giving stuff up for Lent. And I'm guessing maybe has heard some, Lu- there's always the Lutherans that boast during the, I'm giving up Lent for Lent. <laughs> I'm giving up, giving up stuff for Lent. Um it's perfectly fine to give stuff up for Lent if you want. In fact, Luther speaks positively of fasting in the in the Catechism regarding the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> but when does fasting before the Lord's Supper, for instance, become a problem? It's when it turns me internally. Am I now ready enough for the Lord's Supper? Which leads to not taking it very often because you just don't feel when, emotionally when fit for it. When can you ever be ready enough? Yeah. Um, but giving something up that helps you look to Christ... You know, oh man, I'd really like, you know, Diet Pepsi, but I gave it up. And well, why did I give it up? <laughs> to to focus on what Christ has done for me. That can be a super helpful thing. So I think that's a fine line, and the, and the preacher does well to help people navigate that. That um, when we're talking contrition, um, guilt itself is not necessarily um, uh, um, salutary, right? Um, it's not a guilt is not always a step towards faith. Um, and so, what is it? Second Corinthians seven, right? Godly sorrow, worldly sorrow. Yeah. Um, You'd say sometimes it's a decided step away from exactly. It. Yeah. And I, mean, many people who are angry at God are above all angry at themselves, and and many of us have been there. Um, so that you know, contrition in and of itself isn't. Biblical contrition, if it's not contrition that that is is treated with the gospel, right? right. Um, guilt in and of itself can be a, a very dangerous thing to leave people in. And so when we talk about those sermons where afterwards we kind of go, ah, I'm not so sure. Partly it's probably because we know, like, I might have done some damage there. Right. You know, like I next week I got to. It's the eighty proof gospel, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I um, eighty proof. That that honestly sounds a little weak. <laughs> I don't but, know what a. I'm a brandy guy. Eighty proof is a lot for a brandy. It is, yeah. Hundred proof. Hundred proof. Hundred yeah. proof. Yeah. proof brandy. Just hundred. Just hundred proof. Yeah. Hundred twenty proof. There you go. Is that possible? There's a hundred. Oh most? yeah. No. Two hundred. Two hundred is the most. Really. You know yeah. a lot about this. You, well, do, you double it. I have I have a barrel. You double you know, it. Yeah, yeah, you, you double, double the double alcohol barrel. by volume. Okay. That gets proof. I think 80 proof sounds good. That's 40%. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair amount. That's, well, that's, 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 that's a lot. Pre- that's pretty but standard, I think, for most spirits right. across the board. Yeah. Sorry, go with what you guys were going to have. Oh, go ahead. I'm, I was distracted by the by the proof now, so I'm, I kind of... Uh, you're excited with some random facts that you want to share, probably, huh? No, I, was, I, was, I, 
well, I mean, it's just now I'm thinking like bourbon and brandy, but the um, well, maybe we can <clears throat> hit on a little bit. So for the um, in Lutheran theology, um, when we talk repentance, you can't talk repentance without faith. And if you read the dogmaticians on this, I was reviewing some Gerhardt, some um, Chemnitz, some Heineke, not go Wisconsin Synod, dogmaticians, um, they go uh, to great lengths to demonstrate why faith necessarily has to be a part of repentance, not just something that follows repentance, um, <clears throat> but part of repentance itself. Because some will take repentance simply to mean remorse, right? Um, or you hear something like repent and believe the good news. Well, see, faith is a separate... <coughs> A separate thing, but those things have to be combined. Um, what what would you say practically for the Christian life, um, whether for preacher or hearer or how we arrange services or just how we live out our days or parent? Um, what's the uh, what does that mean um, then when we talk about remorse, contrition, etc.? If we honestly believe biblically, it ain't repentance if unless there's faith. Yeah, I, I think probably, you know, it's getting at what Luther was driving at in the first of the theses, right? You know, the um, when our Lord and Master Jesus said repent, he willed the whole life of a believer to be one of repentance, which, you know, I think is recognizing my own insufficiency, right? That if 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 I'm going to try to stand here on my own, do this on my own, whether that, and, and honestly, whether that is standing before God on my own or whether it's trying to, you know, stand in before full, neighbor yeah, before yeah. neighbor and, and, you know, with full con competency and sufficiency, me by myself is not going to be enough. And, and to recognize my shortcomings, to, to recognize that I fall short in that, um, but not to dig deeper into myself to make up that shortcoming. But when I see that shortcoming... To find confidence. Yeah, to find it in the Lord, right? To find it in Jesus um, uh, and to trust him to meet that need, to fill that need, um, to give me that competence um, going forward and... Um, fully sufficient to stand before God in his righteousness, right? And, and, and then also, you know, living that out as I stand before neighbor. And yeah, I mean, that's, that, that I think is the way to, the way to think about that and look at that, you know, I mean, and that looks different from person to person, time to time, right? You know, given the circumstance, but but I think that's where that's where you want to go with that. And I think it's interesting then that those who largely take repentance to um, to be remorse, where that's largely where the emphasis is. <clears throat> the temptation then is that it leads to a withdrawal from the world. Yeah. So I can just personally sorrow, or yep. I can avoid sinning more. And as you're mentioning it, when you know, as Luther's saying that this is just part of the whole Christian life. Where <clears throat> yep. Um, well, I mean, even isn't that even with some of the giving up stuff, right? Because yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna specifically give up something that maybe tempts me to vice, right? right? You know, something yep. that tempts me to excess. Mm -hmm. And um, and so that would be, you know, doing it in a negative way. Yep. And um, but really, repentance um, is not 
something that ought to paralyze us but animate us. Um, Because when I come to know the nature of sin and the nature of my sinful nature, I realize there's there's no task, there's no vocation I'm going to be able to carry out that I'll be able to do so without sinning. Um, No point getting married, I'm going to sin against my wife. No point having children, I'm going to sin against my children. No point going to work, I'm going to sin against my colleagues or those I serve. Um, But when we remember that repentance involves faith and that it's just an ongoing thing, which is why Luther says, right, we are baptized, not we were, um, right? It's it's faith that brings the freedom into that. And so it's not that we ever move beyond repentance, and it's not that we go in saying, well, I'm going to sin anyways, but we go in saying, um, I'm going to go with the confidence of faith, knowing that God can use me. And I'll have, at the end of the day, I'll have stuff to put on my head on my pillow and say, I wanted to strangle that customer, <laughs> or man, I got mad in traffic, or yep. man, that kid really knew how to push my buttons today, or um, and I let it get to me, or you know, I I really just left stuff for my my spouse that I should have taken up myself. But at the same time, that isn't well. Now tomorrow, I'm just not gonna do anything so I don't mess that up. It's it's the freedom to to go forth in faith as well, and I, I think. Um, we we do harm then to our neighbor um, through a misunderstanding of repentance too. Yeah, Mike, Lee, you look like you went and got something. Is that? No, I went to the bathroom. Oh. <laughs> I saw you going through papers. Now I thought it was a. No, I was I was. Uh... You don't have to go into more detail, Mike. It's it's all good. Um, any thoughts on repentance, Mike? Um, I I wonder if you guys want to talk about like this may be a little bit too inside baseball, but. Uh, being a father confessor and um, so you, you hear a confession and then you forgive the forgive the penitent sinner but then what right there there is such a thing as pastoral care after that right and that's that's a tricky thing what you know there's gonna be comfort of the gospel there for sure but also you may want to say all right, let's work on this a little bit, not for the sake of yourself, but the sake of your neighbor. So somebody comes in and says, this is what I did in my marriage. And then you, you're, okay, you're forgiven. Now like, hey man, why don't you um, try this? Yeah. Um, and then... And there is probably a a genuine third use of the law. Yeah, not like an ingratitude to God. Right, right, a, right. But to say like, okay... Wait, are you going down the satisfaction route? I, I just want to <laughs> no. be clear. Okay, well, um, which is, but, but we, when it's not back, a making yeah. satisfaction, yeah, but it is right. saying like, you know that you know that that proclivity in you to this sin. Yeah, you know that sinful nature that keeps getting the the better of you. Now we have to more. Now we're going to mortify the flesh, which is the actual proper use of the third use of the law in the confessions, and not this Calvinistic use that you hear many people do. <clears throat> like, yeah, we've got to the nub of it. Like. We all need to mortify the flesh. What are ways that we can work for the for the good of our neighbor and for our own good um, to you know to strangle the old Adam in us? Um, not so that your repentance is true repentance, um, because you're forgiven, you're fully forgiven, um, but because like we get what what's going on here, you know. Um, and uh, I don't know. I don't know that I just answered that well. No, but. I just. 
when we think of, okay, the historical problem of satisfaction. So um, to be charitable, it wasn't like you confess your sins, go do this, then come back and you will get the absolution. Right. Oh, there would be absolution. And then there would be, uh, we could call it a spiritual discipline. We could call it a pastoral care. Uh, I mean, how many times would we say, hey, I want you to go read Romans 8 or something like that. But like many things in the medieval, the deterioration in the, in the medieval uh, system and, and era. And how things were taught and practiced weren't yeah, always the yeah. same. Right? So they're just, you could see how easily it was to say, all right, well, that's 10 Hail Marys, right? And then it becomes transactional. So, so that's what I usually got was a certain number of Hail Marys. <clears throat> the confession. So there's, there's a there's then it then it turns into a transactional thing but what was originally probably intended to be charitable to take sin seriously and say this sin does damage right and so like i cheated on my wife you, i really wait I, just so we know is this hypothetical no, hypothetical are you, are you confessing i'm not confessing <laughs> if you're if you this, not, this is like, not this is not my this is not my vice um but if someone said that you like may as a, time or you may say as a pastor there's a seal of confession but you need to come clean mm -hmm. and um or you could say you, you don't need to come clean sometimes the person's in the freedom of mind where they selfishly want to just emotionally come clean in the in the moment which will maybe do more damage sure. and they need to plan it out the point is that there's pastoral care there that then i think became something through a variety of forces became this kind of transactional thing. So it, the other thought that I had is talking about this is this, this is not, this is not something that's academic, right? I mean, so you come out and you're called to your first parish and you may have, you may be able to re regurgitate everything that we have said here. And it's just, it's just not going to, it's not going to hit home until you've, you've done it <laughs> until you've, until you've uh, made mistakes, until you have um, lived with your people, right? And uh, that's that's what it means by it's not a theology of the cross; it's about being a theologian of the cross. Well, and I think I mean it's um, we were talking before we recorded, and you mentioned about you know the liberal and the servile arts and how, and a number of ways what we do in theology. Um, at least at a college like this, where we're not merely doing academic theology, although we are, is, you know, in a lot of ways part of the, the servile arts. It's also, I would, and I know we've used these comparisons before, it's it's kind of like an MD as much as a as a, a, a PhD or a demon. That, um, someone um, who is a pastor is going to learn through practicing the same as, as the physician will. And I think... Um, you know, getting at what you're getting at, Mike, where you're going to follow up with stuff, <clears throat> um, that we do our best to be clear as much as we can about why, right? How does this fit? Um, and uh, and that can be hard, right? Um, but I think that definitely has to be part of it. Um, but I do agree that, I mean, there's times where it's just a, or, I mean, someone confesses something to you and there's a certain stuff it's good to check up on. Like, you're not breaking the seal, but to follow up with that person, well, how are you doing, you know, whatever, um, can be an important thing. 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, there is that follow through of, I mean, you know, Jesus talked to go and sin no more, right? And you're, and you're trying to follow up with care there. And yet I think, you know, there's always that temptation to see some of those things as conditionalizing the, the absolution that was given. And, and of course that's the absolute last thing that you want to do. And, um, I think too, it really is a, something that it's an art that as a pastor you grow in, you know, but, and, and it is an art that is meant to be practiced, that, that it's something that, that this is meant to be, you know, applied to people, not just, not just discussed and debated, but, you know, applied to people in the real world, in their real lives, um, in real situations that can be ugly and messy sometimes. And, and, uh, you know, downright shocking even. Um, and yet that's absolutely when they need to hear, hear the gospel the most is when they're laying all of that, you know, at the feet of the, of their pastor, but really at the feet of Jesus and his cross. Yeah. And maybe, you know, when I say this, that repentance is a, a process, I, um, some will take that in here as like, oh, penitential system, like this is whatever. Uh, so uh, repentance isn't a process, but repentance is an ongoing thing. And you hit on that with the, the first thesis of the 95 Thesis. Um, we're always in a, we always stand before God according to both law and gospel. And Mike, tell me I'm wrong on this if I am. I think what you're getting at too is um, the person is forgiven. They stand before God by grace in the gospel. Um, but part of the concern with maybe the making satisfaction when it was arising with good intentions was um, that the 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 second use of the law doesn't just cease to exist. Mm-hmm. Part of me seeing my sin is understanding not merely that it was bad. It's not a it's not a selfish repentance in the sense of my contrition isn't just I'm in trouble with God. Um, part of the gift God gives us as repentance is he allows us to be sorry also for what my sin has done to others, right? So when David says, forgive me the sins of my youth, he doesn't just mean like, God, forgive me for upsetting you, but he gets like that did damage. And so um, you referenced Nathan and David in the sermon today, right? Nathan doesn't just say to David, you've sinned against God, but the whole story with the sheep is he had sinned against Uriah um, as well. And, uh, and so maybe with repentance being an ongoing thing, um, part of our role as preachers of law and gospel is that we just are regularly holding forth like how these things have grieved our neighbors. And maybe that's um, something we're maybe a little weak on in preaching the law sometimes is sometimes we'll work really hard um, to say you've done this thing that God said is wrong. But... Um, and it's odd because sometimes when we're trying to defend the law, we'll like, well, yeah, this law totally makes sense because, see, it hurts your neighbor or it hurts this if you if you do this. Um, but just as gospel sets you free to see your neighbor, um, 
you know, sometimes maybe law's task is to help you see your neighbor as well um, and how things horizontally have been yeah, it's worse, damaged. Yeah, it's worse than us just breaking some. Like when we think about breaking a law, okay, we broke a law. Okay, the, the magistrate's going to be angry at me. But to get up in the pulpit and say, you know who does a lot of damage to children? Parents. Yep. <laughs> you know? And uh, just think about all the all the things that you you can do. All of you have done damage to your par- to your children, right? And uh, that that does that's uh, that that really is a devastating thing. Right? And that our sins then vocation is a gospel thing, but our sins are also vocational, right? There are just as we're channels of God's love and vocation, like we can also be the channels, channels of, of, of destruction. Yeah, yeah. yeah I wonder. And are. Oh, yeah. I wonder if, you know, that on the one hand, that's something people see or know plainly that, you know, I I hurt this person. Um, And I think sometimes it's maybe easy to forget that every sin against a person is first and foremost a sin against the Lord, Mm -hmm. which, but at the same time, when it's easy for them to see, okay, I maybe hurt hurt that person, it might also be easy for them to overlook it, right? And maybe that that is one of those areas where a reminder yeah. on that damage from time to time would very well be. In and Matthew twenty five does that with the I mean the sheep and the goats. It's taken yeah to neighbor right away, and and maybe that fits with too um, to once again. We don't want our preaching or teaching or practice of repentance. Um, maybe this is another danger of making it too internal. Um, that if, that I, I, you know, um, it's almost limiting of, um, and right, the gospel is not just there to to set you free before God, but to to set you right with others as well. I mean, Jesus is not only forgiving guilt in the gospels; he's removing shame. Right, he's restoring yeah. people to each other. Which I, I think it's interesting too, like using da- the David and Nathan account where Nathan tells that story focused on neighbor and yet David's confession is, I have sinned against yeah. the Lord, you know, and being really before he gets any farther than that, you know. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, that's an that's an interesting dynamic of, of recognizing both of both sides to that, right? I mean, the offense to God, and then you know the harm and shame toward neighbor. Mike, you had the repentance sermon today. I'll let you wrap it up for us. Um, I think that uh, a key for me, once again, and I think there's, I betcha, some listeners out there that this will be very helpful to is to say that this is a part of faith and uh, God works in you faith, including repentance, right? And so um, if you're thinking about, am I repentant enough or not? Uh, the answer is no, don't worry about it. <laughs> That's not the point, right? That's not the point. Um, and uh, you are so good with God that it's going to be okay, right? As Luther says, what does man, God care if man sins against him, right? It's already washed away in the blood of Christ. It's, it's much more about, about neighbor, which makes the law ever, even more devastating, right? As you see your failure and, um, that every sin does affect somebody, but 
Um, the message, of course, is the absolution, right? And that's why we tend to call it holy absolution in our Lutheran circles to emphasis on the the uh, absolvo, right? I, I forgive you all of your sins. And so um, in this time of, of Lent, um, like any other time, we are living a repentant baptismal life, a death and resurrection life. Um, and it's good as as we have ashes on our forehead and, and as we uh, uh, take our journey to the cross, though, those are just helpful spiritual disciplines uh, to think about death and resurrection and my my baptismal death and resurrection being connected to Christ, right? It's not like we do something, necessarily have to do something extra or less during the, the liturgical season, but those those rhythms of the year help us focus on these things, right? Um, we always talk about the incarnation, but at Christmas we really talk about the incarnation, right? That kind of thing. That's helpful. That's helpful to us. And so uh, during your Lenten season, um, whether you choose to fast or not, whether you choose to work on some other spiritual discipline or not, do it with the knowledge that you are forgiven and that you are free. So with that, let the bird fly. Another round, another round, one more round won't get me down. 